0: Well, good morning again and welcome to Hosanna. As I mentioned at the top of the hour, my name is Tony. I get to serve here as the campus pastor and I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving and I hope you survived your Black Friday. I have to share just one quick story of one of my favorite Thanksgiving moments in my life is I got to marry a beautiful sweet woman from the South. And if there's anything people from the South can do is they can cook, okay? They cook like the best of the best and uh, her family makes this sweet, uh, sweet potato casserole, and it is very sweet, and it is very sugary, and it is very yummy. And uh, I remember one particular time I was sitting next to one of my nephews, and he was uh, diligently shoveling in the sweet potato casserole as fast as he possibly can. And he looks up at his grandmother, who he calls Omi, and he says, Omi, this is the best cake I've ever had. And I said, oh, buddy, isn't it so? It's so good. So I hope your Thanksgiving was as sweet as mine. At this point in time, we're going to invite our ushers to come forward to receive this morning's offering. And as they do, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for continuing to live generously. Uh, God is doing some amazing things through multiplying the hope and the heartbeat of Jesus through this community and throughout the entire world. And we just know we can't do it without you. And so we just want to say thank you for your continued generosity. Well, historically, in the church calendar, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, this season has been called Advent. And Advent really means waiting, or expectation, or um, something along those lines. And as we turn towards Christmas, we are beginning to look and wait for this child, this Jesus, who was born in a manger for us. And uh, we usually here at Hosanna are in the middle of series, and we just thought, if we were going to take one Sunday kind of off of a series, what will we talk about? And it just seemed to fit, it seemed to fit thematically that we would talk about this idea of waiting, because seasons of waitings r- really affect all of us. Either we've had a season of waiting in the past, or we will have a season of waiting that we're currently in, or into the future we will have some sort of season where we will wait on something. And uh, so I felt like if we were going to talk about this, I wanted us to have an understanding of what it means to wait from a biblical pr- perspective. So I'm going to give you a quick preview of where this message is going to go. I'm going to share a story of one of those moments where I felt like I was in a season of waiting. And then I want us to unpack a story, a story about this couple who was in a season of waiting. And then I want to share just a couple of things that I learned from one of my favorite preachers, a guy named Jeff Henderson, about this particular story. And I want us to end with me being able to share a poem that has just meant a lot to me in seasons of waiting. But to begin, I have to tell you the story about this moment where I felt like I was waiting for a long period of time, and uh, it, it happened just about four years ago now, almost almost to the day, four years ago now, and at the time, my wife and I were living in Atlanta, Georgia, and... Uh, She was 35 weeks pregnant or so, and uh, because of some circumstances in life, uh, we weren't going to be able to come up to Minnesota for me to visit my family up here over Thanksgiving, and and Christmas was going to be too close to our due date to be able to to fly up here and spend some time, and so there was a weekend, the weekend right after Thanksgiving, that she said, hey, why don't you go up and spend some time with your family and enjoy some, some time up in Minnesota? And uh, I said, yeah, it's okay. It's not close enough to the due date. It's going to be fine. And so uh, we we decided that was a good idea. And so I flew up here to spend some time with my family. And uh, Thursday was an awesome day that we spent together. And then Friday was this incredible day that I got to spend with my family. And then Saturday happened. And about Saturday at about mm, 11 a.m. or so, I got a phone call from my wife. And she says, um... So uh, I got up early this morning. I went to the movies with my my parents. And uh, well, I either just peed my pants (laughs) or something else just happened. And then, of course, she started crying at that point in time. She handed the phone to her sister, and her sister, I think in a moment of trying to uh, bring down the blood pressure, she says, it's going to be okay. And I was like, ah. And so I quickly hung up the phone, and I looked at my family, and I said, all right, I need you to get me on the next flight out from, from here to Atlanta. I need you to go uh, start the car, pull it up at the driveway. I need to grab that. And I looked over here, and I'm like, I need you to come help me pack all my bags, because it was kind of a mess at this point in time. So they're packing my bags, and I jump in the car, and we go running down to the airport, and we get on to the to the Uh, airplane and I remember being seated and uh, I remember my my mother-in-law calls me and they were at the hospital and uh, they said well, she didn't pee her pants (laughs) I think that's a good thing (laughs) and I said something else happened and you're going to have a baby tonight and I remember the pilot doing that thing that I just hated at the moment and they said I need you to turn off all mobile devices I turned it off I just waited and waited and waited. And I remember thinking in the back of my mind, like, I could be having a child right now, like, and there's no way to know anything, no way to communicate, no way to know. And so on this flight, minutes seemed like years and hours seemed like decades. And it just seemed like it was forever to wait, to wait, to wait in that time. It was such a long time of waiting. But waiting Really is just a part of life. All of us wait for different things at different points in time. We wait in the grocery store when we're checking out through the cashier. We we wait for our kids to get going. We wait sometimes for spouses, and some of them take longer than others, to, to get going in the morning. If you're a Vikings fan, we're waiting for that first Super Bowl win. If you're a Packers fan, you're waiting for Aaron Rodgers to come back. But many times waiting for us can be a little more serious. Maybe a waiting season for you is when the company had kind of a downturn and all of a sudden you found yourself being laid off and you were looking for what was next for your career. And you found yourself waiting and waiting and waiting. Or maybe for you, it was that relationship, and you thought that relationship was headed somewhere, that you were going somewhere together, and then all of a sudden, something happened within the relationship, and all of a sudden, you found yourself by yourself again, and you found yourself waiting, and waiting, and waiting on what's next. Maybe for you, it's that medical situation and you're trying to figure out what's going on inside of you, and you just go to the doctors, and the doctors say, I don't really know, and you find yourself waiting, and there's nothing more frustrating than going to some doctors and them not knowing necessarily what's going on inside of you, and you find yourself waiting and waiting and waiting. And I wonder if you, like me, have ever had this experience that in a season of waiting, you picked up a phone like this. You guys remember these phones? They were great, except for they didn't make great mobile devices. They were a little hard to get into. But you picked up the phone. You gave a call to God in the midst of this season of waiting. And you tried to ring him, and you tried to call in, and it just seemed like in the season of waiting when you picked up the phone and you began to call, he just said, hold, please while you're sitting here on the phone, you just happen to be scrolling through Facebook. And as you're waiting for your first child, it seems like your sister just came home with her third child. When you're trying to figure out what's going on with your business and if you're going to be able to put food on the table or not, you look and it just seems like your friend has just gotten his fourth, fifth, sixth promotion. And he's just moving on up. And you're like, why is my life on hold right now? Why am I in this waiting period? God, do you, do you even see me? Do you? Do you know what's going on in my life? Are you paying attention to what's happening right here in this moment? Why do you seem to be blessing them two, three, four times what I seem to be receiving? In this moment, when he asks us to stay on hold, you you just decide that you're going to put down the phone for a minute. And maybe some of you have decided that you were just going to walk away from phone, because if there is a God, he doesn't seem to be coming through for me. Well, if you've been there, I want you to know that you are in good company, because there is a couple who experience something like this in, in the Bible as well. And if you have your Bibles with you, I would love for you to turn To the first book of the Bible, it's the book of Genesis, and we're going to be in chapter 15. If you don't happen to have a Bible, we have ushers who's coming through the the worship center who would love to be able to give you a Bible. I'd love for you to turn uh, to Genesis chapter 15, and as you're getting there, I just want to begin to set the stage about what is happening here. If you're familiar with the Bible, you know that God has created all things, that he has created all things. And in that moment, it was good. But then shortly thereafter, there is this fracture that happens with humanity and with God. And then all of a sudden, God decides that he's going to kind of start over. He's going to start over with a covenant relationship with this couple. And it begins with this guy named Abram. And what God says in this covenant relationship is that, you know, Abram, not only are you, you're going to have descendants. And you are going to have so many descendants that these descendants are going to become a tribe. And this tribe is going to become a nation. And through this nation, the Savior of the world is going to come. A Messiah. Christ the King. And he is going to redeem the whole planet and mankind. That's what's going to happen. And it's with that I want us to pick up in Genesis chapter 15. And what I want you to see is that this is a story, a real story that happened to a real couple. And I want you to see their authenticity. I want you to see their hearts. I want you to see how real this moment was to them. So Genesis 15 says this. Sometime later... The Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram. I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, I want you to sense the pain, the sarcasm even, that's coming through Abram's voice. O oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all of your blessings when I don't even have a son? In other words, God of the universe, the one who can do anything, all things. What good is your blessing if I have no one to hand it off to? Since you, God, you've given me no children. Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all of my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own. So one of my servants, one of my servants will be my heir. Have you ever paused in a moment of feeling like you're on hold with God and tried to tell him something that you think he hasn't noticed or hasn't known? Abram's frustrated with God in this moment. He's saying, "Do do you not know? My reward can be great, but I have no one to pass it along to. There's pain and there's frustration In this moment. Then he says something, God says something to Abram that I just love. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And so Abram, I can only imagine, has this moment with God. And I can imagine him running home to his wife and saying, Sarai, you can't even imagine this. I had this encounter with God, and remember that promise, that promise that we would have a descendant and the Savior would come out of it? It's going to happen. God showed me this this vision. I got to see the stars, and I couldn't even count them. That's how many descendants that we are going to have. And this was a powerful thing, particularly in this culture and time and history, because to not have children meant that God's favor was not upon you. And to have children meant that God's favor was upon you. So you can imagine this couple, the stigma that they would have received. We know that really doesn't have anything to do with it now, but the stigma that they would have received from people outside of them, they would have said that God, God doesn't have any favor on you. God doesn't love you. God's actually forgotten you. It's what they would have lived with and struggled with. And So after this vision... After this moment with God and the excitement that they were going to have more children, they could count in the stars. Something happens. Nine months go by. There's no baby. And then a year goes by. There's no baby. Two years go by. I'm sure, Abram looked at his wife Sarah and said, Hey, hey, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. God promised more descendants than the stars. Three years go by. Four years go by. Five years go by. And then I can imagine that it would have just seemed like the calendar pages would have flown through the calendar off to the floor. As five years become ten years, and ten years become 11, 12, fifteen years 15 years becomes 20. 20 becomes 25 years. I've been on hold a long time. But I've never been on hold for 25 years. It'll drive you insane. 25 years of waiting and waiting shared with a friend of mine that I was using this illustration. I said, uh, in fact, I was actually just on hold with the telephone company for like two and a half hours, and I was so frustrated. Of course, I didn't know this about him, but he said, oh, I work for that telephone company. I was like, oh, sorry, buddy. Yeah, didn't mean that. That's where Abram and Sarah were. Sarah were waiting and waiting and waiting. And this is what I have to think they began to feel in that moment. That they had to begin to feel that they had been forgotten. Have you ever been in a season of waiting and you felt like, God, you must have forgotten that you left me on hold? Uh, I'm still here. I'm still waiting for you to come back to the phone. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that they would have felt that they were tired of waiting in this season. They were so tired. And I got to imagine that they became frustrated, maybe even disappointed, maybe even upset with God in this time. Have you ever been there in a season of waiting where you're frustrated, when you're disappointed, when you're just upset about what's happening, and and you're like, God, where are you? What are you doing in the midst of this particular season? And I know that's what they must have felt. And my question for us in this season would be, is it okay to get frustrated with god now it's it's my question you don't have to answer it is it okay to be frustrated with god is it okay to be upset at god disappointed with god i believe it is okay because however you're feeling is how you're feeling and we have a big god who can take all of it but i have to tell you that there is a danger zone there is a danger zone where our feelings, where our emotions begin to turn into belief. Because when our feelings and our emotions begin to turn into belief, we begin to act upon our beliefs. And if we begin to believe that God has forgotten us, that we begin to believe that that His favor is no longer upon us, that can turn into action. And I have to imagine... If you were in a restaurant somewhere and you began to sit in the waiting area and they hand you one of those pagers and and they give it to you and, uh, you know, it's supposed to buzz and light up when your table is ready and all of a sudden you begin to see that the people who came in after you, theirs are buzzing and going in and they're getting their table. You begin to think, hold it, is mine broken? Is the batteries working in this thing right here? That's what they were feeling. But what I want you to be careful of is that you don't turn these emotions, these feelings, into belief and into actions. Because what I hope that none of us have ever done is you have sit and sat in a uh, dentist's waiting room. And maybe you've waited for a long period of time, waiting for them to call your name. And you've waited, and you've waited, and you've waited. And what I hope that you've never done is gone ...after a season of time and just kicked in the door and said, I'm done waiting. Uh, I'm done doing all of this. And you began to grab the dentist instruments. And you decided to do some of your own dental work on yourself. And the reason I can tell you I've never done that is because I have an MDiv. I don't have any dental schooling. So I'm not jumping in and trying to scrape my own teeth, whatever. Because there is a danger zone. Because if I began to do that, I would begin to create scars in my mouth, in my life, that I would never recover from. But I believe if we were honest, if we went around the room, we could probably all tell stories of moments of being on hold with God, where we decided that we were done waiting on God. And we kicked in the door and we grabbed the instruments out of God's hands. And we said, I need to move this thing forward. I don't know if you're paying attention. I don't know how long I'm going to wait. And I need to do something. And we created some scars in our own life. What we're about to see is that Abram and Sarah, in their season of waiting for nearly 25 years, decided that they were going to kick in the door, grab the instruments out of God's hands, And begin to do some damage. If you have your Bibles, we're going to continue. And this is Genesis 16. Picking up the story. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed uh, with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, "'This is all your fault.'" I put my servant into your arms, but that now that she is pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. See, in the season of being on hold, in the season of waiting. Sarah felt like she couldn't wait any longer for the promises to come through. She couldn't hold on any longer, and so she decided to take the instruments out of God's hand to begin to do this. And Abram's just like, okay, I'll do whatever you want, honey. I'm just going to, you know, whatever. This is your plan, and this seems like a little bit of a Bachelor episode somehow, and we're only 16 chapters into the the Bible, but this is what's going on. And they're taking the instruments out of God's hands, and they're beginning to create some damage, some scars that are happening in here." And I wonder if you, in your moments, have ever felt like, God, I'm just done waiting. I can't wait anymore. We need to move this on. We need to do something else. Well, this is what I hope that you begin to see seasons of waiting as. And if you begin to see these as seasons of waiting, that there is a purpose to them, that God is up to something in them, sometimes it's easier to wait when we know that God is up to something in that. And what I want you to know that God... What we believe here at Hosanna is that God is a perfect, loving, heavenly Father. And He loves His children perfectly, and He loves His children so well. And we believe that each one of us are either a son or a daughter of the Most High God, and therefore He is loving you, and He has never forgotten you. What you need to know is that if you are in a season of being on hold if you are a season of waiting god hasn't forgotten you god hasn't forgotten you god is preparing you god doesn't forget he's preparing you he's seasoning you he is preparing you for what is just ahead one of my favorite verses in all of the bible is found in ephesians 2:10 because if you're like me, the question is if I'm in a waiting season, if I'm on a season where I feel like I'm on hold, and you're seasoning me, if you're preparing me, what are you preparing me for? We want us to see what, what God is preparing us for. And it says this For we are God's masterpiece. In other words, you were God's idea from the very beginning. And you need to know that you are his masterpiece. You are like a handcrafted piece of art. And if there's ever been a moment in your life that you have felt like, I'm not like them, or I'm not like them, or I, just, I wish I was more like her, or I wish I was more like him, I want you to know that you are a masterpiece, that you are a handcrafted piece of art. It goes on to say that he has created us anew in Christ Jesus So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has a plan for each one of his children. God has a plan for you. A plan for you to accomplish good things. A plan for you to do incredible things. And in seasons of waiting, in seasons of being on hold, he is just preparing you for what's next, for what's in that next season, for what's right around the corner, for that next relationship, for that next job opportunity, for whatever is next. He is preparing you. And what I want you to do, what I would hope that you would do, my prayer for you in this season, when you find yourself being on hold, whether it's now or into the future, is to rather than to take the phone and just simply to hang up and to walk away and say, "God, God, I'm done." Would I rather you do, in moments where you feel like you're on hold, I would just ask that you would hold on to Jesus, to hold on to Jesus. And I know this can seem like a little bit like the, oh, just hold on to Jesus. I mean, that's the thing to do, right? Like, we're in church. Jesus is the answer. But what I've found in my own life in seasons where I've experienced on-hold moments, where I've experienced waiting moments, when we truly cling to Jesus, cling to him and hold on to him and trust that he is preparing us for what's next, I seem to be able to make it through the waiting season. I want you to cling to him. I want you to hold to him so you can get through that next season. And what I would ask you to do is if you find yourself on an old, on hold season is just to simply begin to pray a very simple prayer. And the prayer would go something a little bit like this. Jesus, I'm choosing in this season to believe that this is a season of preparation. And I'm going to hold on to you until you come through. I'm seeing this season as a season of preparation, and I'm going to hold on to you until you come through. I believe if you begin to pray that prayer, it will see you through this season. And one of the reasons I'm passionate about this is one of your pastors, I get your emails, I get your phone calls, I get to talk to many of you. And what I find is many of you find yourself in these on-hold moments. And and I pray for you, but I want to do so much more for you. I want to see you to that next season. But sometimes in the waiting season, it's best just to cling to him. The one who ultimately holds the whole world in his hands. Which brings us... To the conclusion of this message. And I have to tell you, I've been a little bit nervous about saying this and just getting the phrasing just quite right. And so if the phrasing isn't just quite right, I want you to know that, that you can email me at ryana <laughs> at hosannahlc.org and uh, just fire those emails away, it's great. <clears throat> but in the story of Abram and Sarai, if you're familiar with the story, Their names change. They become Abraham and Sarah. And they're given a son. And because we have history on our side, we can see that God fulfilled his promises. There becomes a tribe that becomes a nation. That there are more than the stars in the skies who can point to Abraham as the father of their nation. But my question is, When Abram and Sarai came to the end of their lives, had God fulfilled his promise? No, in some ways. He promised that their descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. So my question is then, did God mislead them? Did God somehow change his mind or did he change what was going on? Well, no what I believe is there are some promises that have been given to us that we will only see through the eyes of eternity. We'll only be able to see them through the eyes of eternity. See, because we know that ultimately God fulfills those promises, but, but sometimes we're only going to be able to see those through the eyes of eternity. And what I believe about eternity is I think probably for the first hundred million years, We are going to be uh, up hanging out with God, and we are going to hear this over and over and over again. We are going to hear, oh, I finally get it now. I see what you were up to the whole time. And then we'll hear it again. Oh, I get it now. I finally see what you were up to the whole time. I think we're going to hear it over and over and over again. As we see God fulfill his promises time and time again. And I share this with you because I, not as a discouragement. I share this with you because I, I want it to be an encouragement to you. Maybe you're a parent or maybe you're a grandparent in the room. And, and you've been praying for your son or daughter to, to come to faith in Jesus Christ. To become a follower of his. And I would just encourage you to keep praying. Keep Praying, Because God will continue to be at work. We might not see it until we see through the eyes of eternity, but keep praying. If you're a business owner, and you're trying to do things right, and and you're not trying to cut corners, and yet you see your colleagues moving up, getting uh, raises, making more money, and and I would just say, please continue to be faithful. Hold on to Jesus in those unhold moments. Because we will see him fulfill those promises through the eyes of eternity. Hold on to him in those on hold moments. For me, I've had a couple of seasons in life where I've walked through truly difficult waiting moments. Where I would have felt like God had put me on hold for a really, really long time. There was a temptation for me to just hang up the phone, to walk away. Uh, But somebody close to me gave me a a poem. It's about waiting. It's helped me through some of these seasons. And I felt like I would just share it to you, share it with you. Maybe it would help you in your season of waiting. It says this. Desperately, helplessly, longingly I cried. Quietly, patiently, lovingly God replied. I pled and I wept for a clue of my fate, and the master so gently said, wait. Wait, you say, wait, my indignant reply. Lord, I need answers. I need to know why. Is your hand shortened, or have you not heard? By faith I have asked, and I'm claiming your word. My future and all to which it relates hangs in the balance, and you tell me, wait. I'm needing a yes, a go-ahead sign, or even a no to which I'll resign. You promise, dear Lord, that if we believe, we need but ask, and we shall receive. Lord, I've been asking. This is my cry. I'm weary of asking. I need a reply. Then quietly, softly, I learned of my fate. As my master replied again, wait. So I slumped in my chair, defeated and taut, and grumbled to God, so I'm waiting for what? He seemed then to kneel, and his eyes met with mine. And he tenderly said, I could give you a sign. I could shake the heavens and darken the sun. I could raise the dead and cause the mountains to run. I could give you all you seek and pleased you would be. You would have what you want, but you wouldn't know me. You'd not know the depth of my love for each saint. You'd not know the power that I give when you faint. You'd not, know t- you'd not learn to see through the clouds of despair. You'd not learn to trust by knowing I'm there. You'd not know the joy of resting in me when darkness and silence are all you can see. You never experience the fullness of love when the peace of my spirit descends like a dove. You would know that I give and I save for a start, but you'd not know the depth of the beat of my heart. The glow of my comfort late into the night, the faith that I give when you walk without sight. The depth that's beyond getting just what you ask from an infinite God who makes what you have last. You'd never know should your pain quickly flee. What it means that my grace is sufficient for thee. Yes, your dearest dreams overnight would come true, but oh, the lost, if you missed what I'm doing in you. So be silent, my child, and in time you will see that the greatest gift is to truly know me. And though oft my prayers seem terribly late, my most precious answer of all is still, Friends, I know seasons of waiting, seasons in the past, and the seasons that are coming in the future, that waiting can be hard. But my prayer for you is that you would hold on to Jesus, that you would cling to him in those moments. That you wouldn't be tempted to kick in the door and to pull the instruments out of his hands, but you would trust He's preparing you for what lies ahead. That you would know that He is sufficient and He is enough even in those seasons. What I'm going to ask is for all of us just to stand. And particularly if you find yourself in a season where you feel like your life is just on hold, I would just ask you that you would just reach your arms out as a sign of holding on to Christ in the midst of this season, we are going to sing a song together as a reminder that he is enough even in those seasons.